You've just entered the Disaster Tough podcast, the place for emergency managers, first responders, and humanitarians who want to get the job done. Stories, lessons, and tips are provided by field experts. This show is owned and operated by professional emergency managers at Doberman Emergency Management. We apply disaster tough logic by protecting life, property, and business continuity through planning, mitigation, and training. Check us out at DobermanEMG.com or click on the show notes. Radio comms just got a major breakthrough with the L3 Harris XL Extreme 400P. It's the newest and toughest radio out there. Built by their space and tactical teams, the XL Extreme series can take a beating. 1,700 degree blast of heat, repeated 3 meter drops, rain, salt water, you name it. The XL Extreme series by L3 Harris can take it. Visit L3Harris.com to schedule your demo today. The battle to monitor and contain COVID-19 just got exponentially better for us. We are officially introducing an electronic reusable, yes, reusable COVID-19 test through our sponsors. It's called the COVID Plus Test, created by Tiger Tech, distributed by FS Global. This is the first FDA-authorized, rapid, non-invasive pre-screener. It's extremely easy to use. Forget those one-time use swabs. This is a disaster-tough technology. For more information on the COVID Plus test, check out our show notes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. Asher Morris comes to us out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's working at the mayor's office. He has a very long title for a very long title agency. You can go into that, but basically the emergency manager there, focusing on preparedness, focusing on some things I've been in Atlanta before, focusing on, I think it's a tornado response in 2017, so I have lots of history there. Asher comes with an additional feather in his cap. If you remember last year, we had Ashley Loria Golden on here. Big fan of hers and what she's done with mitigation. She's worked with GEMA. She's worked with Forsyth County. Now she actually works with Doberman. She said, hey, you got to have this guy on the show. He's really, really smart. So Asher, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. All right. So first things first, can you give us the entire title? It might sure. be a paragraph or two, but. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Emergency Preparedness Manager. Mm-hmm. The of Atlanta Mayor's Office of Emergency Preparedness. <laughs> not so long. <laughs> you guys like preparedness, yeah. Uh, okay, so I look at preparedness a little bit differently than some, based off of my past experiences. I, you know, we we use all these bud words, uh, you know, resiliency, preparedness, the five areas of preparedness. FEMA calls it, which doesn't really make sense for response. You know, prepare to respond. You actually respond. So I call it readiness. So if you're the preparedness manager, are you focusing on all actions pre-disaster or are you actually doing disaster response yourself? Yeah, the majority of what we do is mostly the preparedness piece as you would traditionally think of it. So we do a lot of special event preparedness, crisis management, pretty much anything but the recovery and mitigation piece. And we even do some mitigation aspects as well. Okay. So that's tough for me because mitigation is a preparedness, I know, I know. <laughs> but you know what? Mitigation isn't really preparing because it's stopping, right? If you're doing mitigation, right. So uh, with national preparedness month happening right now, this is like your month, like your month to shine. So Atlanta is complex for those who don't know Atlanta. Basically it's three seasons of construction and like kind of a rainy season kind of gets cold 
So that's how I know Atlanta. In terms of preparing Atlanta mm-hmm. and events that could happen there, you know, especially hazards could happen there. What is your office doing right now to prepare your city? So, you know, obviously we just faced a lot of, of, of uh, severe weather with rain coming through over the last several weeks. So we mm-hmm. frequently meet with a lot of our teams and make sure that everybody really has their good preparedness plans ready. Um, our role is primarily the cross-organizational coordination. So we reach out to the various departments, make sure that they're ready. And then when it comes time to activate any type of plan, we'll be there to assist in that, um, that execution, really, if you will. Um, but, you know, we're, we prepare for all sorts of things. It's Labor Day weekend coming up. So we're also looking at all the different special events that are coming into town and working with the different teams and the different departments and making sure that everybody's got their plans ready and, and that we're ready to really safely host these events. And we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're excited about doing that also. Yeah. So the um, that's interesting to think about and pre- preparedness in, in terms of the like live shows. I mean, Atlanta is such a huge hub. It's hub, you know what? It's Delta. Delta's hub. It's you know, uh, kind of the landing ground for so many different things, and it has such a rich history in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, and you also have a medical background, right? So, going to events and looking at it from that lens, how do you pair? Actually, I need to ask kind of a fun question first because, okay. like, if there's like a cool concert rolling into town, you're like, "Ooh, we gotta do some extra preparedness." Can you get tickets to that? Are you able to like? get behind the scenes and start preparing for the event? I'm sure I could. I haven't. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, sure if you I can, could. you know, uh, there's several, there's several, uh, there's several concerts I would love to be able to help you out with, but yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why volunteer my time. Um, okay. So in terms of like hazards and you're, t- you're really talking about two separate things there at the same time, you're talking about, yeah, obviously flooding major issue down South, especially in the Gulf region. But now you're talking about kind of that that man-made, more like accidental man-made of maybe something is planned, but most likely you're going to have a situation where some accident happens and you have to you have to manage that. So in terms of your time, how do you differentiate between the man-made stuff and the natural stuff, especially as you're identifying your hazards? That's uh, actually a very difficult question. I don't know if there is much of a differentiation uh, of time spent really where it's very broad spectrum, right? So we're looking at all of the different things that are happening. We're looking at the weather systems. We're monitoring that. We're looking at our event calendars and monitoring that and working really, a lot of times it's with the same teams. So we're really working uh, from, from multiple angles with the same groups of people to make sure that we're staying on top of it. I mean, our, our motto with our team is to stay ahead of the threat. So regardless of threat, regardless of natural versus man-made versus whatever else, um, our goal is really to stay ahead of it. So for example, one of the things we're already starting to plan for is winter weather. Mm. So we're already getting our teams together, discussing winter weather te- uh, plans. Um, and, and, you know, that that's partly one of the big projects that I work on as well. So um, mm. we're really full swing ahead, full, full, full throttle going through this winter weather, looking at uh, uh, projections for uh, temperatures, for precipitation and getting really all of our planning stuff together. How, how has the weather has, have you seen, so at least from my perspective, from a GIS perspective, it, I deployed a lot more often to the Gulf than I thought I was going to in, in, you know, 10, 15 years ago as weather tends to shift and it's changed in those impacts. And so it's amazing that you're already looking at that out. I mean, I guess that's preparedness in a sense, right? In its full sense. As you're looking at that, 
Um, how have you, how have you had to change tactics in terms of your strategic vision for preparing for heavy hitting events that are po- probably happening more often than what they predicted 20, 30 years ago, even. Mm-hmm. Um, do you look at that? I mean, do you look at those long-term trends? Is that something you, yeah, you, you care know, about or I, I would say personally, yeah, I care about it. Like I said, <laughs> one, of my, one of my major projects is winter weather. Okay. Um, and actually I, I oversee all of the warming center operations. So mm. shelters that we set up um, during frigid temperatures for our individuals experiencing homelessness. So I'm looking at trends mm. and seeing, for example, two years ago, we met the, the activation criteria 23 times versus last year, or I'm sorry, three years ago, 23 times last year, um, two years ago, 34 times. And last year it was like 47 times. Jeez. So we're obviously seeing a significant increase. Um, and then of course you can't forget we're working through COVID as well. And my office has been pretty, um, integral in that in, in, in everything COVID. So, yeah, absolutely. It was like all hands on deck for like the last year and a half and it's going to keep rolling out, yeah. uh, especially as <clears throat> COVID is COVID, the COVID response is intertwined with so many other areas that it requires true emergency managers to really focus on that. And especially because you have a medical background, even better, um, yeah, it made me think like you're talking about the increase. Go into some of the reasons why you think that increase happens. Do you think it's purely just because of the weather or do you think it's because knowledge is, ha- like, you know, there's like a, a knowledge growth of like that these warming centers are are available? Is it a growing homeless population? That's, you know, what are the, some of the factors that go into those warming centers? Yeah, so we're, we're very metric-based when it comes to the activation. So it's we meet specific temperature or other criteria, and we activate. So, I mean, I think it's definitely um, an increase in cold weather that we're mm. seeing for the last couple of years. Um, you know, last winter, we got very lucky. We didn't, I don't believe we saw a single snowflake, uh, which for Atlanta is not totally unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I love most about Atlanta. You can really kind of see all four seasons in one day some years. Um, <laughs> but but it, it is. It's one of the selling points that I think, you know, in the middle yeah. of the fall, you've got all four seasons. Maybe you'll see a flurry here and there. Mm. Um, but I definitely think it has to do with the, the weather. It's the temperatures. The temperatures are dropping um, and lasting longer. You know, some days we'll have or some weeks we'll have a cold snap that lasts one day. And sometimes it'll last three days in a row. And we have to have contingency to keep our operation open. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The so our company, Doberman Emergency Management, um, we've been heavily dealing with the impacts of weather on the opposite side, that the heat side, because mm-hmm. of California. We had a not we actually still have an operation. We moved our headquarters recently to St. Louis, where I'm at now, but we have an office in LA. And in California specific, and it, and it really it really is a nationwide issue of power outages, but the utility company was found liable for these major wildfires. And so they were told that they had to put a plan in place. And this is really just for the audience sake for a lot of those emergency managers who don't know about this, but they created something called pu- public safety power shutoffs. Basically, they think the, the wind or the weather, the heat was the right combination of factors was going to cause a, a wildfire from their power lines. So they were going to kill the power. Well, now we have cooling centers. Now we have to deal with cooling centers without power. Mm-hmm. And so our, our company, um, you know, we were poised to be able to, to work in that environment. And we were, I would say, very grateful and, and happy to be able to, to obtain clients there who said, hey, we want to do this right. 
And so a big part of our plan is those homeless populations. And really, you know, we also work with tribes and tribes can bring in a lot of money through casinos or they can be desperately in need for assistance and work off grants. And we have been focusing on those that need, you know, need that assistance. And so pulling all that in together and looking at that coordination piece of how you get in the generators, the, the fuel that's needed, how do you maintain that? Who are your stakeholders? Who has responsibility during that event? And really like when you look at those types of events, it's, it's that coordination piece between all those stakeholders, which amazingly, smartly, you called out at the beginning and said, hey, mostly what I do is, is coordination. Yeah. And so in terms of the National Preparedness Month perspective, our podcast is kind of taking the spin that we want to prepare emergency managers for the future. Yeah. You know, as emergency managers prepare the public, as you're focusing on the public, what advice could you give to emergency managers who might have to deal with cold snaps or deal with those heating, you know, those, those heat waves that are going to have to deal with hot or cold centers for the homeless? What are like maybe top five things that they should focus on as they, they do that? Yeah, so I think number one, and I, I, I would be hard pressed to find an emergency manager who disagrees, build relationships. Yeah, building relationships. Our job, everything we do, whether it's specifically preparedness or whether it's consequence management, no matter what it is, we need resources. We need to work with people. And, and we really have to understand that it does take often a, a village. It's, it's a whole community approach. So building those relationships are that that's number one. That's that's by far the top tip. Um, proactivity. Start early and, and make things happen. Build these relationships early. Start planning early. Um, knowing your your stakeholders, knowing what their capabilities are, I think is extremely important. And trying to understand um, what others can bring to the table. You know, we don't want to have a response where everybody says, hey, I'm in, but nobody knows what to do. So starting early with the coordination piece, hey, you're going to be responsible for X, you're going to be responsible for Y, you're going to be responsible for Z. Um, and I, I'm big on thinking with innovation, right? So last year, I may have done something one way, and it could have worked perfectly. But what can we do differently this year? What can we do better this year? Um, you know, to enhance our engagement with our community, to enhance our engagement with our stakeholders, um, whether it's the community or the internal stakeholders, you know, uh, to me, that, that, that's extremely important, right? We want to continue to grow, continue to evolve, continue to just do better, be creative, have fun with it, you know? Um, a lot of people look at what we do and say, okay, so we follow plans, we do this, we do that, whatever, we've got a plan, we've got a playbook, we got a framework, whatever it might be, right, right. have fun with it. You know, our plans should be living documents. Let's do something different. Let's break the glass ceiling, if you will. Let's do something. So, so innovation like like is that. another big one. Um, uh, did I say proactivity? Yeah. So be proactive. I mean, those are really the top three. I don't know if I can come up with two more. Um, proactivity, start awesome. early, build these relationships and really keep thinking creatively, be innovative and, and just try to do better. Every day should be better than, than the next, than the previous one, um, every year, every season, whatever it might be. Yes. I fought this tooth and nail. So I did one, one agency did it really well. Hey, I, I like innovation. I'm going to go in there and we're going to kind of blow this whole thing up and see what we can do. Another agency fought me tooth and nail. I still got what I wanted. Uh, which was, I, I was lucky enough to work with a, a really good boss. Um, but it was, it was mind boggling the concept of, well, it's worked before. So why change it? Mm -hmm. Well, in emergency management, what worked before was great for before. 
Yeah. You're not preparing for the future. You're not addressing the needs of the future and or the, the capabilities that are coming out. You know, yeah. the, the big one with me was um, my big claim to fame is that I introduced drones to FEMA. And we're not talking about the high altitude drones because we manage the high altitude drones. We manage the satellites, the Cessnas, which are worthless. Sorry, Cessna pilots. But like these tactical little drones that most people think are toys, when they're at 200, 200 feet up in the air and you're getting situational ground truth and you're doing damage assessments when you're doing debris pile estimations in a fraction of the time. And, and, and you know, when you go to Congress and they say, how did you determine your debris pile? You have $5 million of debris. Well, this is the actual calculation that we got from the drone that, you know, it takes it takes an account of the, the donut shape of the, the uh, debris pile yeah. and helps out a lot and a lot faster. Yeah, and I can't even, I can't even tell you how hard it was to be able to convince people. Basically, we had to trick the system. We were at a disaster. Um, it was actually we were in Georgia. We were in Georgia and um, it was for uh, we were in Warner Robins. Uh, for a tornado, and we heard of another federal agency having drones and say, hey, can you just show us what you do with those drones? And so they came out, they showed us what it was like, and then you fast forward to Hurricane Harvey, and you have 700,000 homes literally impacted, and so like, what are you going to do? And um, the FEMA administrator at the time, Brocklon, said uh, to, to everyone at FEMA, uh, be innovative, get the job done, be innovative. So I went over to legal and I said, the head of the agency said, be innovative. Can I get a drone? And they said, sure. Great. <laughs> I mean, it, was a, it was a longer process than that. <laughs> but I got the drone. We showcased it. We went out to one wildfire with it. And I did myself and one, uh, one other spotter did. Um, we found 33 more homes than a 30 person PDA team in a third amount of time at no, almost no cost. So innovation works. So to the audience out there, that's that's the innovation in action. Well, so and, to your point, yeah, good call outs. And you know, a lot of people say we can't, we don't want to recreate the wheel. And, and I'm a huge proponent of that. We shouldn't recreate the wheel. If a plan exists, let's not recreate a plan. But taking that plan at, uh, or taking that wheel, if you will, adding an additional spoke, enhancing it, shining the tire, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, make it better. Because like you said, what happened last year isn't the same as what happens this year. You know, plans, again, they're black and white, but we have to be able to pivot. We have to be able to, to really just see something might be different. So let's think outside the box. Let's be innovative and creative. So I'm, I'm big on that. Yeah. Switching out for snow tires, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you talked about living documents. I'm a big fan of living documents. It's one of my biggest problems. And maybe you can even address this. I'm now a contractor. I kind of hate, it kind of makes me like die inside a little bit like, oh, contractor consultant because I'm an emergency manager first and yeah. I only work with people who've been in the field. Yeah. But as soon as you go up to an agency, they're like, oh, consultant, you know, like how much money do you want? And you're like, okay, well, um, I do need to get paid for the work I do, but I'm, I like create living documents. Yeah. And there's this problem right now with consultants is they're so focused on like the FEMA checklist, like, you know, I've looked at a document where like half of it was definitions. I was actually, this is a really, I've shared this one before in the podcast. Uh, they had a definition for a volcano for a plan for Philadelphia. And I was like, why is this in here? Right. So how do you create living documents? And maybe can you address that other concern of 
how do you work with outside sources? If you're talking about collaboration, you can't do everything yourself. Yeah. Where's the middle ground of making sure you have high expectations mm-hmm. as well as allowing that to, to have some wiggle room? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, technology is great. So having living documents is, is easy at this point because you can just put it online, put it on a OneDrive or something to that effect, um, whatever platform you use and work through that, share it with different people, have different people look through it. Um, as far as the collaboration piece and how you do that and, and do it effectively, you know, I think, again, it's important when I'm working through, let's say, a special event, for example, um, I'm not always going to be the subject matter expert on, you know, what this department will do, what I'm, I'm not a police officer, so I can't tell the police what to do. I'm not a firefighter, so I can't tell the fire department what to do. I don't work in public work, so I can't tell them what to do. So for me, collaboration really, and keeping these documents alive is saying, hey, you're the subject matter expert on this. I'll review it and make sure that the principles make sense. We'll review it together as a group and maybe we'll put together, you know, an executive committee, if you will, um, to look through this and we all have an input, but I'm not the expert. I'm just good at writing these plans or I'm good at reviewing these plans and making sure, um, you know, that's what my training is. in. So really understanding and helping others understand like, hey, I'm not the boss of you. I'm just the guy here who's going to help you get this on paper and, and help it work with the other documents that we're going to see. Um, and then really it's just making sure everybody's kind of on the same page in that sense. Hey, office A is gonna be doing this, office B, you're gonna be doing this. How is that going to affect, or how is your actions going to affect the other actions? And then how is that going to affect the entire system? So it's a lot of talking to people, a lot of working with people. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the face-to-face conversations. Uh, we've learned a lot in the last year and a half about Zoom and, and Teams and all the other, you know, online platforms. But really, yeah. it, it's FaceTime. It's those relationships, um, building that and building that trust so that they understand, like, hey, you're not trying to take my plan. We're trying to build a collaborative plan. Um, and I think that's really important, that trust and the relationship that you have. And again, I guess it goes back to what I was saying before. Um, we have to build relationships. That's, that's really what we need to do. Um, you know, I, I, when, I, when I talk to people about what it is that emergency managers do, I say, look, building relationships. And here's an example. Uh, if I'm walking on the street and somebody says, hey, man, can I have a dollar? I'm going to look at them. Now, I often don't carry cash on me. So I'll probably say, sorry, I don't have cash. Mm. But if it's somebody I know and they're saying, hey, I really need this dollar to you know, get out of the parking lot or buy something, buy a drink. Um, if I know them and we've built that relationship, I'm more inclined to say, you got it, as opposed to the person who I've never met before, never seen before. Um, that might take a little bit more effort for me to be like, you know what, hold on, let me walk to the ATM and get you this. Um, so so that that's kind of the example I use when I explain to people why it's so important to build that relationship. We're so much more tend to be as people, um, and this is not just me, but everybody, we're so much more giving often when it's the people that we know and that are close to us. So, um, so too, as emergency managers, as people who work in preparedness, we have to build those relationships because at some point I'm going to need a chainsaw, you know, and I have to know the person I'm going to ask for it. Otherwise I'll be like, actually the other guy asked for it already. Sorry, man. Um, so yeah, it's all about relationship building. So you just hit on like, we're, we're, I'm looking at the time here. You just hit in like 15 different areas that I like a hundred percent I agree with. So uh, just like kind of rapid fire. I haven't used that term in a while on this show, but we used to do this like rapid fire sex thing where like 
We were going to ask like four or five really quick questions, get their answers really fast. It always turned into like a 45 minute conversation <laughs> that had to die. But yeah. Um, yeah, so two weeks ago on the show, I talked about unselfishly um, just helping other people. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if they don't return the favor, then you did something good in the world and you can be proud for the work you did. Yeah. But more likely than not, hey, like building that relationship, unselfishly helping other people. Yeah. Um, that's like a big thing of building relationships. Another big one uh, for me is like what you're just calling out. Like the big secret of our field is whoever came up with the term emergency manager was a genius because we don't, we don't really have any authority to tell all these other people what to do, but they hear emergency manager. And so they, <laughs> hey, uh, DOT, can you? Can you yeah, make sure yeah. that one road is clear? Oh yeah, the emergency manager told me to get that done. Like cool. Um, and kind I of we're, we're, just... the, we're the managers of relationships. <laughs> managers of relationships. I like that. <laughs> I like. I, I I really think we should be called emergency coordinators because like the best emergency manager is a current coordinator. But managing relationships is totally true. And like when you can manage and you understand a relationship. Uh, I have a, you know, one of my best friends, um, he's been on the show a few times. His name is Patrick McGinn. He's with Salvation Army. And we used to be on the national strike team together. When he asked for something for the company or just for me, like, hey, can you volunteer some of your time to help? But, you know, he, we did an active shooter uh, class for his, um, um, for his uh, headquarters. Happy to do it. Volunteer the time because a friend asked, you know. At the same time, we just had a a client call us up and say, hey, we're out of water. Our company doesn't do water. We can tell them where to go. But I called Patrick up and I said, hey, Salvation Army can do water, right? He goes, yeah, happy to help. And so like, just knowing what they can do saves a lot of time. When you get into a meeting and somebody goes, now what? That's when it's like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, this is going to be a really tough meeting. But when you get a response and everybody's walking in the room and you see already people talking to each other and they sit down at the table and they start going through a who does what, a response or preparing a fair, whatever, you know, just understanding that and having that relationship is so huge. Right. It helps you understand their capacity, their capability, right? If you don't know them to start with, then you have to start the meeting from square one and say, all right, so tell me what you guys can do. And then it's like half the half the meetings introductions, and you're like, oh man, what a huge waste of time. Could have this been an email? Right. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. I have a real question. Something that I get in, I get asked a lot. Something I I have to like dive into quite a bit. Emergency managers here. It's all about collaboration, working with your stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Not all parties get along. Some parties are definitely top down. Uh, some parties have no relationship whatsoever. As, as you, as a guy who is, seems pretty expert in uh, building those relationships, what advice would you be for emergency managers of how to start building relationships? Like, what is square one of doing that? Introductions. You know, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is what I can bring to the table. I think, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky in every environment that I've worked in, especially over the last couple of years, I've not run into that power struggle. It's really everybody is interested in working together. That's one of the things that I really enjoy about working here at the city. It's, we know that we have a job to do and we know that we have to get that job done and we know that we have to work together to do it. Um, but realistically, it's it's finding that common ground. You know, you might be opposing entities, you might be competitors. And, you know, if you are looking at a larger scale event, let's say, or even a disaster, you might be working with your competitor. 
at the end of the day, we have to put egos aside. We have to realize that our purpose in collaborating, it's not for us. It's not for me. It's not for my name. It's not for my office. It's really for the people we serve. It's the people who have been affected by this disaster. Um, and, and so I like to try to say even something like that. If I'm working with a group who's having a hard time getting, you know, getting along, um, we have to find our common ground and recognize that we have one mission and our mission is to help people. Mm-hmm. And if we can't put our, our differences aside really to help people, you know, to me, that would say if I personally, I'll, I'll speak to myself, if I ever get to a place where I can't put myself aside to help somebody else, I'm going to say I might need to take a break or I might need to step out. Um, but we're talking about hopefully a group of professionals who got into this field because we, we enjoy one helping people, but also, you know, I have different reasons for why I got in here as well. Um, I like seeing something that's chaotic and turning it into something a little bit less chaotic, more organized, if you will. And if we can't put that aside and say, look, I might not like you, our families might be mortal enemies, um, but we're here for the same thing. And that's to make sure that what we have to do gets done so that this person or this group of people or this community or this city, this county, this state, whatever it might be, can really get back off their feet or onto their feet um, and off the ground. I think, Normally, I try to use phraseology like that and just say, look, common mission, one mission or one team. We have to do this. Um, Mic drop moment. That's the mic (laughs) drop moment of the show. You ended it perfectly because um, I swear you must have looked at our disaster tap. All the audience checking this out right now. Uh, Our Instagram page because, quote, that was literally shared today. Emergency management puts people first. And you said emergency management helps people. That's job. We're humanitarians. And I think... 90% 90% of the field that we got into it because we like helping people. Yes. I also really like, so this better be a quote on our, um, this is a call out for our show too, for what you just said, like emergency managers, like seeing chaos and seeing if we can organize it. That yes. challenge is really fun. Oh yeah. And um, I, I think that's a great call out for somebody who does preparedness. You better start doing some response because you are really good at the response stuff. Based <laughs> on what you just said. Also, if you already know all the key stakeholders, you better start getting a response because they could use somebody like you. So big Thank call you. out uh, to you, Asher, for um, just being, you know, having high skill there. Um, yeah. Thanks again for coming on the show. Um, I just want to call out one more time that uh, we're grateful that you came on that uh, the talk about the city of Atlanta a little bit and really pro- providing great guidance to emergency managers on directing them towards future actions. This month is all about helping out the public figure out, oh, we got these four ideas that we want to talk about. No, what really is important is to look at the future events, adjust where necessary. That's what you said. Yeah. Build those relationships now, understanding capability, just introduce yourself and saying what you can do. All those are really great call outs. And so I, I appreciate you coming on the show and um, I hope we have you back on the show soon, actually. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, everybody. This is the call out. So lame. I got to do it every week, though. But if you like this show, you got to give us a five star rating and subscribe. Like I said, it's lame, but it helps us out a lot. It helps us track. Hey, if we're we're successful or not, we really like this episode. Obviously, we just called out Asher for those good comments that he made on the show. So make sure that you send us a message. uh, Let us know on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. LinkedIn, whatever. Let us know that what you thought about this episode. If you agreed, if you disagreed, if you disagreed, you're probably wrong because I thought it was a great episode and I'm his second witness. 
for sure. So let's do this. Uh, get on there. Let us know if you want to work with Doberman Emergency Management or you had an idea about what Asher said, he had a question that we can forward him. Please send it to us at info at dobermanemg.com and we'll see you next week. Bye.